Hello and welcome to the Hustle and Bustle podcast. Before we begin, I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is being recorded, the Yugambeh people, and pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. My name is Nicole Bennett and I'm an urban and regional planner and I'm the host of this podcast. Each episode I bring you conversations with city shapers and urban thinkers, leaders in the field of urban planning and city building. I'm located here on the beautiful Gold Coast in Australia. We're one of the host cities for the Brisbane 2032 Olympics and Paralympics. The next 10 years is being described as the golden decade for our city and our region. The conversations on this podcast help us understand the opportunities and challenges ahead. So let's take a minute from our busy hustle and bustle day and let's have a great conversation. And today, episode three of season two of the podcast, I've been so fortunate to have a wide range of guests on the podcast, both last season and this season. And today I'm particularly proud to be joined by one of my colleagues, the first Arupian to feature on the podcast, Mr. Jaime Traspaderti. Jaime is the Queensland leader for urban design and master planning at Arup. He and I also share the role at Arup of city local business leader for Queensland. And I've been really fortunate to work with Jaime over the past few months and have been super impressed by his technical expertise and passion for designing for a changing climate. Jaime has international experience as an architect and urban designer and has been with Arup for around 10 years, uh, experiencing working, living across multiple countries. And his work with a range of clients in integrating natural environments, including blue and green elements with the built environment, is particularly impressive. So welcome to the podcast, Jaime. How are you today? Hi, Nicole. Thank you very much. It's an honour to be in, in this podcast with you, and I'm very happy to have this conversation. And it's interesting you say it's, it's a golden decade for, for Queensland, but I think it's a golden decade for, for the world, for our planet, because I think we, we are in... In the 11th hour, in terms of climate change, and we have a lot of responsibilities as, as designers and city shapers to, to help our planet to, to really not get warm enough and, 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 and keep a planet comfortable for us to keep living here. So important decade ahead, um, huge responsibility for us, and, and really looking forward to keep engaging with, with interesting clients and, 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 and communities and really try to shape the, a better future for them. That's awesome, Jaime. That passion of yours is really infectious. Before we start and and talking about climate change, would you mind just um, going into a little bit more about your background and your prior experiences working internationally? Absolutely, yeah. Um, So I'm Spanish, uh, as you can say, for my accent. Uh, I live in Spain and I did architecture in Spain. Um, It took me almost seven years to finish architecture in Spain. And I, I really... I really enjoy uh, the part of, of designing, designing places for people. And I think I naturally start to move a little bit more to urban design. I thought, yeah, buildings are wonderful, but I, I wanted to reach more and, and really make a, a, a place better for, for people. And I think urban designers and master planners, uh, we have that opportunity really to shape cities and, and really influence and, and make better places for communities. So I think that that was my natural inclination to move to urban design. Then I decided to move to, to London to expand on on this. And I did a master's degree on, on landscape urbanism. And, and I think that's really saved my, the way that I'm approaching projects. Um, I learned from that course, you know, that you can start to think about 
landscape from from the first moment when when I'm approaching a project, the first thing that I'm looking to is when, where are the uh, natural ecosystems? You know, where is the green and blue infrastructure? How can I protect that? How can I integrate it into the communities? So it really changed the way that I'm approaching projects, and I think that that really brings a, a, a different, unique uh, aspect to, to to my work. And obviously, climate is is such an important layer as well in 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 the work that I do, and it's really well integrated of of green and blue infrastructure because, in a way, we know that our forests and our oceans are the the lungs of our planets. No, so it's, I think it's just. Uh, in, it's such important thing to integrate those systems into into our cities and, and communities. Then I start to work in in Arab after finish the, the master's degree, and I've been very lucky, very lucky. I've been moving from Middle East, uh, working Middle East for the FIFA World Cup 2022 that is going to happen this year. So I'm really looking forward to see some of those designs, if, if, how we influence that World Cup. Um, and I spent a few, few years in Middle East uh, understanding hot climates and really understanding how um, Middle East architecture and, and urban planning in the old ways were dealing with, with climate. And it's very interesting when you learn from the past such a harsh environment. Then I, I uh, came back to Europe and spent a few uh, years w working again in, in London, in the headquarters of Arup, but I was really focused on international projects. I really, as an urban designer, I really wanted to, to experience different cultures and, and different climates and, and go there and understand and meet that people. And that's a really interesting insight in the way that you are approaching projects. You cannot approach projects like working from home. You really need to be there and understand the context. So I've been uh, traveling around really lucky in Middle East, China, and India. And then it came the opportunity to, to come to Australia um, for Brisbane uh, Metro, um, and, and I was delighted. I always wanted to come to Australia, such an interesting part of the world. Maybe, uh, as I am uh, uh, from Spain, you know, it's exactly the, the opposite part of, of the planet. So I was really keen to come to this area, and it was a huge opportunity to work such a shaping um, project, city-shaping project like Brisbane Metro. Since then, I've been three years in, in Australia, in, in Brisbane. I took the role, as you said, as the urban design and master plan lead. Um, and I've been working in Brisbane Metro as well in other projects in the Gold Coast, like the water-sensitive design strategy that we did for the entire region. And I've been also uh, supporting and, and leading the urban design aspect of the Auckland Light Rail in, in New Zealand. So really proud, really happy. I'm very humbled to be in this situation. That's awesome, Jaime. Gosh, what a diverse experience and, and skill set you have from all of those um, various projects and, and clients that you've worked with. It, it's um, it's so cool, as I, as I mentioned in the intro, to be working with you and just getting a little taste of of some of those um, you know nuggets of gold that you've sort of gained by by having those various experiences. Um, so let's go back to to the topic that we sort of um, wanted to discuss today, and I wanted to sort of start with that that big picture question around what are your views on the changing climate and how southeast Queensland particularly needs to respond to to the climate that is that is uh, sort of moving so quickly underneath us absolutely so I mean just uh, everyone knows know that 
we, we have increased by 1.2, 1.1 degrees Celsius from pre-industrial levels, our temperature. And we know that this is going to keep uh, growing. Uh, and now we are really fighting globally to try to stop the, the clock, or st stop the temperature to 2 degrees. Uh, I like to be positive and think that we can achieve that, but uh, let's see, let's see. We really need co uh, cooperation and, 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 and really work together as a planet to, to achieve that. So in, in my opinion, even though we are working hard, climate change is unstoppable. I mean, 1.1 degrees changes is, it changes weather pattern uh, quite a lot. And while we cannot uh, uh, stop global warming overnight, really, or over um, the next several decades, really, what we can do is to slow down the process. We can really limit the amount of global warming by reducing our human emissions. But I think what is really interesting is that we need to start to preparing for this changing uh, of, of weather patterns and, and climate that we are living in every season, and, and we can start to design our cities and our places to be more adaptable for those changes and make our lives easier. Um, for instance, you know, sea level rises is, is a big issue in, in southeast Queensland. It's a, a place that is very vulnerable uh, as well for stronger tropical storms, uh, heavy flooding, coastal erosion, but also bushfire seasons are um, starting earlier and lasting longer. And water conservation is increasingly a, a big problem. So there is a lot of things that we can start doing right now to, to help not to stop climate change, but really adapting our lives and, uh, our, and, and protecting, especially protecting our lifestyles for that climate change. We don't want, we see, for instance, in the news how um, you know, the heat waves in Europe and Canada this summer is disrupting uh, in, in a very critical way communities, in a way that they were not prepared for those heat waves to happen and having dra dramatic consequences when you don't have the infrastructure ready for that. I don't want to see Southeast Queensland um, having uh, similar issues, to be honest. And I think um, in terms of, of how ACQ needs to respond, I think it needs to look in a comprehensive and holistic way. We cannot look at our uh, backyards. We need to look at, at the problem in a big picture and really work together as a region. I think it's very important the role of the regions and also the local governments to really um, uh, fight and, 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 and and lead change. They are the responsibles, and we designers and planners, we are the instruments to help them to achieve those changes, really. And I think the cities play an really important role, Nicole. As you say, we, we are co-leading the cities business leader in in, in, in Arab, and I think cities play a, a really important role. We know that 80% or more of our um, emissions are coming from cities. We know that cities are starting, are the ones, are very vulnerable places as well with heat island effects. And we need to, we, you know, in the 20th century, we, we didn't consider uh, those those issues and, and we uh, really increase the, the size of our cities and our communities is pro regardless uh, you know the 
the natural systems and the green and blue infrastructures and then has massive consequences now for our health, not only for us, but also for our waterways and, 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 and ecology. So I think the 21st century is a fundamental, um, you know, uh, is a pivotal decade for design. We need to, to really embrace design as a tool to, to help us to do that. For instance, last, last winter, um, it's interesting, uh, summer, sorry, <laughs> I'm still uh, with Europe, so when I see December, <laughs> I, I think that is winter. But last, last summer in Queensland, you know, it was some days that they were 12 degrees higher average than normal. Uh, you know, that's a, that's a massive, massive change because 1.1 degrees in terms of, of overall warm in, 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 in the planet, it doesn't mean that it's 1.1 degree in your backyard. No, the weather patterns are affected completely different and that is what we, we are expecting. And I think it's critical for ACQ that we know that it's, it's a place that is going to grow. It's, gonna, it's really a place that people want to come. It's a very competitive place in terms of lifestyle. It's a unique place to live. And I think it's gonna, the cities are going to grow. And, and we are expecting, for instance, in Australia to grow to 42.5 million by 2056. So I think our cities are playing a really, really important role for that and, and the communities. Yeah. Gosh, so many, so many amazing points in that, Jaime. Um, and I think it's really interesting the, the point you make about, you know, 1.1 degrees doesn't sound like much. You know, the difference between, you know, a, a 25 degree day and a 26 degree day, you know, on the Gold Coast where I am doesn't mean a whole lot, you know, for, for my, my comfort and uh, for my safety and, you know, all of those things. But, uh, as you say, it's, it's, that's 1.1 over the entire globe. And so as, you know, areas are cooling and other areas are, are warming. You know, it, it means so much more than a 1.1 degree change in individual weather patterns. Exactly, exactly, that, correct. That's, that's the hard thing to get our head around, I think. And and uh, the other bit of, for me is the, you know, you know, a lot of these predictions of climate change tend to be many years into the future. You know, we talk about sea level rise occurring at, you know, 2100, I think, point. 0.8 meters by 2100 is sort of the assumption that a lot of a lot of our Queensland works off. Um, so it's kind of like, well, why should we really care about it now? You know, but you've sort of mentioned those examples overseas yeah. where you know we're already seeing the effects of climate change. You're already seeing you know communities that are that are having to sort of revert indoors because they literally can't go outside without you know having serious health implications because mm. of the heat waves that are occurring. And so you know, but I'd like to just sort of unpack why do we need to start planning and acting now when many of these predictions are many years into the future. Yeah, that's a very interesting question, Nicole. I think coming back to the 1.1 degree, I just want to make an um, a analogy. You know, your healthy uh, body temperature for adults um, is around 36.5 to 37. If, if you get one degree, 1.5 degree higher than that, you, you got fever. And if you go to two degrees higher than that, it could be Fatal, uh, to, so I think this is a really good analogy that yeah. sometimes small, small changes, it could really uh, create a massive implication. And I think this is, this is a really important, uh, um, you know, thing to take into consideration. And also, what we are protecting, I mean, 
we are protecting our lifestyle. I mean, we are protecting the way that we live in our planet, uh, 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 having a completely different weather pattern with really he um, uh, warm summers that it could be even dangerous to go outside, as you say. I'm, I'm experiencing that in Spain. Sometimes in Spain you are, you are watching the news and they are recommended for elderly and for young people, don't go outside in, during the, 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 the at 12 a.m. in the morning because it's going to be 40 degrees. It's dangerous for you. I don't want to reach that point. ACQ has a unique lifestyle. And I think the lifestyle is part of the engine of the economy. People want to live here. It's a beautiful subtraction tropical climate. You have, um, I don't know, 10 months or 11 months of the year with wonderful weather. One month is really sticky, really humid, but is what it is living in a subtropical climate. And, and the businesses and, and, and the culture, the way that people behave is part of that uh, environment. We are saved by the place that we live. So if, if that place changes because the weather is changing and the climate is changing, the way that we experience those spaces are going to change and they might be not that much attractive to live in, in, in southeast Queensland in 20 years. And that could be um, really deprimental. And so I think it's important to take, um, you know, appropriate actions to better manage our climate risks. We need to well consider an, an effective adaptation measures that can limit the adverse impact of climate change on, on communities, the economy and the natural systems. We can achieve more if we act together to plan for a managed for, to manage the current and future climate impacts across the different sectors and regions because it's just not affecting just individuals, it's affecting sectors and, and industries. So it's very important that we start to, to work really seriously and it should be in top of our agendas to, 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 uh, to, to talk about climate change and design for climate change. Yeah, totally. That's a, bit, that's a scary thought, you know, our competitive advantage with you know southeast queensland is our lifestyle and as you say you know that lifestyle is at risk because of a changing climate so i think we do need to take it seriously for so many reasons not just environmental reasons you know this is truly social economic environmental political you know all of the reasons um as to why this is an important issue for us okay I'm, I'm keen to really unpack um designing with with our climate and designing yeah. for our climate and how we can use our natural systems to to design better and to create a more comfortable and, and to protect our lifestyle. So this idea of blue-green infrastructure, I think, you know, it, it tends to be a little buzzwordy. You know, we hear it, but I'm keen to understand from you, what is blue-green infrastructure and why is that so important in addressing climate change impacts? Okay, interesting. So... Uh, Let's start because we can categorize, I would like to add one more that is grey infrastructure. So what is grey infrastructure for me? For me it refers to building roads and other urban constructions that we need for our day-to-day -day living. Blue and green infrastructure, for instance, blue for me refers to everything that relates to water, you know, elements like rivers, lakes, ocean, canals, Pounds, but also floodplains and water, water treatment facilities, um, uh, drainage systems in our streets, how we collect or harvesting water from our rooftops to irrigate our gardens. The green infrastructure refers for me to, you know, our national parks, our trees, our 
ecosystems, uh, you know, ecosystems that we have to map, understand uh, the, the length and distance of those. Uh, our forests as well, our, our pocket parks in, 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 in our cities, but also the green walls in the buildings, you know, the, the green, um, um, maybe the sky gardens in, 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 in the, in, in our skyscrapers. So every single, a little thing, it, it adds into the green and blue infrastructure. And green and blue infrastructure, as the green infrastructure, is also in terms of a scale from regional to city to building. Um, and, and it's interesting to think that in the past, we use our gray infrastructure to expand, you know, roads and settlements, uh, really, uh, you know, human needs those spaces to, to protect from the landscape, you know, when, um, uh, in, in the past. But we completely, regardless the integration of green and blue infrastructure in, into our gray infrastructure. And I think at the beginning, again, it was to protect our habitats because we were not understanding well um, how to convey with that. And it was part of, of a rapid urbanization as well and a convenience. So now we need to think about on the other direction. Now we are lacking that green and blue infrastructure in our cities and in our urban uh, areas. And, and we need to start bringing that back because it's, it's extremely important to find that balance. So um, I think mitigation and adaptation strategies um, to limit the effects of climate change are crucial to achieve sustainable development, for instance. And climate change are affecting the water resources in terms of quantity and quality. For instance, climate change is affecting the blue infrastructure. But it also alters the, the, the fractions of our ecosystems in terms of um, marine species, uh, fresh water, etc. But it's also affecting the green infrastructure. There is an a, a issue of droughts. Uh, we have uh, bushfires. We are losing a lot of species as well, and a tree canopy in, in our neighborhoods, for instance, Ipswich and other areas in south in Queensland, they have expanded so quickly in the last 10 to 20 years that we have lost a huge cover of, of that green infrastructure. So it's essential that we, we really need to rebalance the way that we live in, in our cities. And at the moment, if you look at the footprint of, of our cities, 90% is gray infrastructure. We need to go, uh, uh, I don't know what is the percentage, but definitely 90-10 is not. And, and what is interesting is that the green and blue infrastructure is a really good um, how I call it, it's like a cushion in, in terms of, of climate change. It's, it's a way of, of um, adapting better. You know, more canopy trees will help you to mitigate heat island effect in the streets. It will allow you to spend uh, 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 one, one more time or, or in, a, in a hot day, you can go to the streets because you have a network of that canopy. Uh, uh, the introduction of blue infrastructure in our street, uh, it could cool down as well our areas. So it's, it, it really helps us to adapt that. And then when, when a big storm happens, when there is a flood event, if, if we have really a, a green and blue infrastructure embedded into our design of the city, that green and blue infrastructure is going to help to recover for that flood event quicker. And that is gaining resilience. For me, resilience is a really interesting wall because resilience for me is to design for failure. You know that heat 
uh, waves are going to happen. You know that flood events are going to happen. The way that I want to approach design is I want to get ready for that to happen and for that community to recover quickly, quicker and to be less affected for those inconveniences. Wow. I I am so blown away, Jaime. You, you know, I've never heard someone sort of describe blue-green infrastructure as well as that and why it's so important. And I love that uh, metaphor you made in the beginning of our chat around blue and green infrastructure being the lungs of the city and the lungs of our region. And, you know, and, and it's frightening to think that, we, you know, we only have 10% of, you know, in most of our major cities, you know, blue-green infrastructure comprises only 10%. And we've relied so heavily on that grey infrastructure, which I guess mm. is the more engineered outcomes, you know. And so really it's about how do we use this blue-green infrastructure to to design cities better into the future. And I wonder if you had time to sort of give a little example of how you've, how you've integrated blue-green infrastructure in some of your sort of master planning. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, again, it's coming back to, to my... Um, you know, my, my, the way that I've been educated and, and back to the mas that master's degree in, in the Architectural Association School of Architecture in London, you know, that landscape urbanism master's really changed the way I'm approaching projects. So, you know, it's, it's about really thinking about green and blue, the green and blue infrastructures as the heart of our designs. And, and it's just not because I'm sick of having more, uh, more trees and blue. I really think that makes our cities more livable. Really, people, if, if we look at, uh, there is a new generation. We are talking about the set generation, you know, the millennium generation. There is a lot of studies that is saying that people nowadays are paying 10% more money to live close to nature. Uh, 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 they are paying uh, more more money for products that are um, uh, um, ecologically um, uh, well produced. They, 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 so there is a market for, but there, there is a need. As humans, uh, we lived in the last uh, 10,000 years or 20,000 years or contact with nature, living with nature, living in cities in a concrete hang, um, jungle. Is, is such a new experience as, as humans. I think it's in, it's in our nature to, 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 to expect to live next to green and blue infrastructure and, and convive and, and, and live with it as an, as an ecosystem. So I think that's, that's a really, that's a really important, uh, um, for me approach first. It makes you more happy. It's going to make your life uh, uh, more interesting. Your kids are going to be, um, uh, have happier lives living with nature, are going to grow uh, healthier. Our elders are going to uh, uh, have a better um, elderhood. I think that's going to help. So that's really important, regardless of climate change. So that, that is really improving our well-being in, in cities. And, and uh, so that's a really interesting way. So how, how we integrated that? I think there is a lot of, um, I'm going to go to three, three, three ways that we can do. The first one is rewild. We need to rewild our urban, um, uh, um, our urban realm, our cities, our towns, our villages, our communities. We need to bring nature back. I think that's a really interesting approach. And there is a lot of ways of doing that. We need to go to nature-based solutions. The solution is in nature. Nature is 
astonishing. It's so interesting. We need to work with ecologists. We need to work with scientists. We need to understand more and better how nature works and how ecosystems are interconnected and how we can be part of that ecosystem and, and uh, part of that ecosystem, but living with the ecosystem, no, not destroying it. I think that's really important. That's the, thir- the second one. And I think the third one, is is a regional level and and we need to think about our regions our ecosystems are not divided by local governments our ecosystems go strained through two or three uh, local governments goes to two or three communities we need to respect that landscape and those ecosystems by understanding them and regardless the the boundaries the a planet has no boundaries the boundaries that we put is in our territories if we really want to work with nature and live with nature we need to to work together and 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 and, and work with no boundaries i think that's that's very important totally all right, we're, we're quickly running out of time, but I did want to just get your quick thoughts on, you know, why aren't we doing this currently? What, you know, and what do you think it will take? You know, what are the bits that are missing um, in order for us to start delivering integrated blue and green infrastructure in our cities, do you think? I think, I think it's a, I don't want to be very controversial on this, but I think we need, we need, we need long-term um, commitment. We need to have a long-term vision, and we need politicians. We need people in government. We need uh, 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 people in power that they really think about us in 20, 30, 50 years. We, don't, we cannot keep working on what's going to happen tomorrow, what's going to happen to the next elections. Uh, I'm going to do no, 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 no. no. We, we need to stop that. We need to have a long-term view and work together and commit together to that long-term view. I think that's the only way. Yes, individually, we can all do small actions. And yes, we can all help to mitigate climate change. But for the adaptation of climate change, for our regions and cities, we have to work collectively. We have to um, put in a room all the different stakeholders, all the different communities, and, and, and sign a paper, a commitment that we are going to take serious action. We are going to take design for climate change on top of our agendas from day one, from inception meeting. That is the way that you can uh, start fighting with that or adapting to climate change. And then you will collect benefits in 10, 20, 15 years, not in six months for the next elections. You, you cannot do that approach. You need to think long term and work together, bring communities and, 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 and get ready. I think that's, that's the, the options. Awesome. And, and, you know, like you said from the beginning, like climate change is happening. You know, there's, there's proof and, and, you know, we have these predictions now and, you know, we can't, we can't stop it. We need to be, you know, looking at how we can adapt to make our lifestyles, you know, livable into the future because, you know, it, it's coming. And if we don't start designing and making the changes now, you know, we're, we're going to run out of time and we're going to end up, you know, having situations where, you know, um, our lifestyles are compromised, which would be so, so sad considering, you know, we, we've got the information now, we've got the tools now, we've got the approaches now to start designing uh, with our changing climate and, and, you know, the opportunity is ours. But, Absolutely. Um, it, it will improve our lives. 
in in all different aspects. I think that's the most interesting thing. It will uh, um, uh, improve the day to day. We will enjoy our our uh, cities in a better way. Our communities. I think it's going to make our lives better. So why we not embrace that design? Who doesn't want to have more trees on more green and blue infrastructure next to the backyard? Everyone, everyone, because it's, we we want it. It's, it's important for us. Why? It's a great opportunity for change. I think we are in, in a in a beautiful period of time. Really, we 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 are building the foundations for the next generations, and and. Uh, and it's, it's, it's a golden era, as you say in the beginning. It's a golden decade. We have huge responsibility, but the benefits are incredible for all. Absolutely, couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Jaime. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Nicole. Thank you. Not a problem. And thank you for tuning into the Hustle and Bustle podcast this week. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and a review so that others find out about the podcast and we can keep making these episodes. You can follow the show on Instagram, hustle underscore bustle underscore podcast, and LinkedIn. Search for Hustle and Bustle Podcast and request to join the group. That's all from this episode. Thanks again for listening. I'll catch you next time. Bye for now.